welcome to another episode on the Her Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Aisha Durrani, and today we'll be covering a topic really interesting, the lower versus higher brain. Uh, This kind of came about um, kind of, you know, observing my friend's kid, and she's about two turning three, uh, and just kind of observing their patterns and just being fascinated with how children have this way of, you know, kind of no reasoning. And um, as adults, we're trying to reason with them, and we see that it doesn't really go through. And it really brought me back to kind of my basic sciences, and I started to realize that kids have a very different form of their brain acting at this particular time and um, we as adults can sometimes revisit that part and so when we get into this discussion we'll be understanding kind of the science of the difference between the lower and the higher brain so stay tuned for more. Alright, welcome back. So we're going to get into this really interesting uh, discussion and often a lot of us have heard of the lower brain. It's often referred to as the reptilian or primitive brain. This is the part of the brain that contains the brainstem, the limbic region and the amygdala. Uh, Apologize if I'm just throwing verbal medical jargon at you, Um, but some of you might have heard of these and some of my listeners are also in the medical field. So I want to make sure I'm empowering you guys. And if you have these terms thrown at you, you can also break in and understand these terms from that perspective. Amygdala is usually where our fight or flight response acts from. So the basic functions of our lower brain are things like breathing, blinking, heart beating, more of those repetitive functions that we don't have to think quite a bit about. Another part of it is, as I mentioned earlier, the amygdala functions of fight or flight response. Now, a lot of us have heard of the fight or flight or freeze as well. This part also, this lower brain part also has the limbic region, which is where we can generate some of our stronger emotions. So things like fear and anger. Now, we mainly use it for repetitive tasks, such as, you know, when you learn your car initially, it's a little bit of a struggle, and then it just kind of, you know, is an autopilot. So, you know, brushing your teeth, tying your shoelace, that kind of a thing. And it's this part that gets the addiction. So this is where we can learn addictions, doing the same thing again and again for that same dopamine hit. So any routines that you're kind of addicted to, I gotta, you know, sit on my couch, I gotta watch my TV show, I gotta brush my teeth a particular way. Um, This is kind of where that lower brain function is now acting, watching the same show, um, pornography, alcoholism, sugar addicts, you know, caffeine, that's kind of all from this part of the brain. So if we were to summarize its function, it are for repetition and I like to say it that way because the way I memorized it in my earlier medicine days is it's the reptilian brain so R for reptile and R for repetition now let's move on to the higher brain the higher brain functioning is more about the bigger picture and if I were to kind of you know just give you a depict this in a picture, the lower brain, as we said earlier, is kind of like learning to do the same thing again and again. So kind of like driving your car. So you know, kind of, you know, okay, you got to put the gear and shift the gear and accelerate and decelerate and that sort of a thing. The higher brain is more bigger picture. Okay, so where do we drive to this time? 
and is it which way should we go should we take a more scenic route should we take the same route so that's kind of where the higher brain comes in the higher brain is acting from the prefrontal cortex and this part of the brain is responsible for more higher order thinking so things like planning imagining problem solving analyzing and if we were to summarize its function it would be reflection, R for reflection. So remember we said the lower brain is more of a reptile-like brain or a reptilian brain, and its sum summary of function is repetition. The higher brain is reflection. So it really gives us this bigger picture view of a problem and allows us to emotionally regulate at the same time. This part, when activated, is nurturing, has empathy, and it thinks of moral consequences. We don't really fully develop this part late until late into our 20s or mid-20s, and this is why you can't reason with kids. They are still forming their lower brains. This is why you teach kids repetitive tasks early on, and they're really struggling with that because they're still learning to form that lower brain. Now, as an adult, do you have a choice? If you're too much in your lower brain, aka your fight or flight, or you haven't learned simply how to tap out of your lower, lower brain, you'll be stuck here and you won't be able to take that higher brain perspective or that bigger picture view. You guys familiar with the repetitive what-if thoughts? So all those what-if thoughts that you have, repetitive thoughts that are continually or you're stuck in a loop, are from that primitive lower brain self. So how can you tap into the higher brain? Well, it's by exercising it more. And you can do that through breath work, vagus nerve stimulation, meditation, yoga, reflective journaling is my personal favorite, creative and explorative tasks that open you up to bigger picture perspectives. And this is why traveling is um, so beautiful in that regard, because it actually gives you that bigger picture. And it's also in the same way um, getting you more connected with your higher brain self. So can one always stay in this higher brain state? Not always. Your lower brain was created for a purpose, right? It's created for, created for survival. So for example, if you're daydreaming away and you're tapped into the higher brain and suddenly a car comes screeching at you, your fight or flight mechanism will override the higher brain and activate so that you freaking survive. You want to survive in that moment. So you are survive, you are wired for survival in that regard and thank the creator for this overriding mechanism because how many times in a day does a screeching car come at you i really want you to take this higher brain perspective our stresses today look much more different now so our stresses can be things like not being socially accepted not knowing how to handle a confrontation at work or at home feeling dead on the inside or unfulfilled in your nine to five and the way you perceive these stressors can sometimes present as a car coming at you and then it activates that primitive brain, right? So now you are heightening that external stimuli and the brain doesn't know any different. So if it, it's as if a car is coming at you, but instead of a car, it's your coworker. And now that's activating your primitive brain because it doesn't know the difference between a real life-threatening, life-ending kind of stressor and a non-real one. So it responds the same way and it responds that way to protect you by activating that fight or flight or those strong emotional responses. Now, if you can heighten your perception, 
can you lower it too is the question we should be asking. And the answer is a hell yes. And that's where being able to gather the knowledge on nervous and emotional regulation, positive self-talk, meditation, and so much more comes in handy. And that's what I so passionately love to teach my patients. So if we go back into the lower brain functions, one of the first functions I taught you guys over this podcast is the basic functions of breathing, blinking, your heart beating. And if we can tap into that and we can regulate that so it's not responding or overfiring in a way, and this is where breath work is so powerful because it, and when we say breath work, we're actually talking about deep breath work and not shallow breath work. So if you think about when you're in a stress situation, if you ever had the unfortunate panic attack, you go into this full-blown fight or flight response, right? And so you go into these shallow breaths like, <laughs> and this is your lower brain part almost. It's almost that part from where you are now acting. When we take those deep breaths, so we're actually using a very different nerve and muscle. So we're using our diaphragmatic muscles and we're using a vagus nerve, which actually innervates and turns off that response. So when we breathe and we talk about take deep breaths, everyone take deep breaths. That's what we're talking about. We're actually, we are physiologically or we're actually commanding the body via the nerves to tap out of that lower brain self. So this is where that deep breath work can really help. And I challenge you to just take even three deep breaths. And we can do this together because I want to teach you to do this right. I want you to place one hand on your chest and another hand on your belly. So just over your navel or your belly button. We're just going to sit in a relaxed pose. I want you to now just observe your regular breath. So don't start deep breathing already. I just want you to regularly to observe a regular breath. Which hand raises or goes up first? So typically if you're breathing in your regular stance, that's your chest, that's your chest breathing. So you're using your chest and rib muscles to kind of, you know, bring your chest out. So it's just going forward and backwards. I want to now invite you to take that deep breath with me. So we're actually going to take a focused deep breath using a particular set of alternative muscles and nerves. And what we're going to attempt to do to do this correctly is we're going to try and raise the hand over your belly out first and then allow your chest to expand in however way possible. So let's focus and take one deep breath, raising that hand on our belly button. Good. We're now going to take this even further. So we're going to take that deep breath in and we're going to raise that hand on our belly button. And now we're going to focus on instead of our upper half going just forward, we're going to, once we've taken our belly breath, we're going to allow our chest to expand sideways. And you're going to be amazed to see how much air you can actually draw in. So let's take that deep breath in. Belly rises, chest expands outwardly and breathe out. Let's do another one. Breathing in. Breathing out. Doesn't that feel different? Do you feel a shift in your body? If you've done this correctly, you will actually feel almost tapped out of that fight or flight. And one of the main things we want to I actually just want to teach you is that through research it's been shown, and this is why I picked the number three. If you take those three deep breaths, 
that's enough for you to command your system to tap out. So we don't have to do these extensive breathwork practices or, you know, go sit on a um, yoga mat or, or in this, you know, corner like a Buddha. You can do this anywhere that you are. So if you're writing this email and you're getting, you're really racking your brain up or a coworker is really stressing you in that moment, within that moment, you have control over this part and you can tap yourself out and sometimes I'm doing it consciously where I'm just you know sitting down and I'm focusing and I'm doing it where I've removed all distractions sometimes I'm just challenging myself to remember that I need to be taking these deep breaths this is where we're out and so the fact that when we are stressed in our work or home environments our body almost goes into this contractive mode or contractive energy we kind of almost like become a shell and I always remind myself like I want to sit in the most expanded mode so sit as expansive as possible if that makes any sense so like really spread yourself out because you're also then reminding that you can be using all these chest muscles to take that deep breath and remain in a tapped out kind of mode so now that you've learned this amazing technique, there's so many more techniques and this is what I love to teach. Um, but let's get into maybe two more. Another one is using your vagus nerve in another way. So this vagus nerve, and you can research about that. There's so much information out there right now and the research is still being driven forward on that. But another way you can activate that is by using the back of your throat. And that is simply by, if you can sing, use your voice. <laughs> if you can't and you're someone who just sings in the shower, then maybe humming. And so during your day, humming has been shown to help with reducing that stress response and bringing you out of fight or flight. And this is why you'll see kids sometimes when they're really stressed, you'll actually see them just block the noise and cover their ears and start humming and sometimes even rocking back and forth. And it's not like a, someone, a psychologist taught them that this is what you need to do to soothe yourself, kid. They've learned that because they're listening to their intuitive wisdom of the body. And so humming, I mean, not necessarily suggesting you rock back and forth, but hey, if that makes you feel safe, then you do that. Um, and another thing you could be doing is also gargling. So anything that gets you to use the back of your throat, that would be where you're actually activating the vagus nerve and you're tapping out of your lower brain. Another would actually be doing some of that, you know, so flexing that muscle, doing that reflective journaling, which is one of my personal favorites. This is where you get to take on a higher perspective view of yourself and the world and all the problems that you have. I mean, I wish I could prescribe travel to you guys. I would love to, um, but most of us have responsibilities are tied down, whether financially or to someone, and uh, that would be amazing. But uh, even just getting out of your your home spaces, your workspaces. So even that travel has been shown to be really beneficial and improving higher brain function. So when I talk about reflective journaling, it really is just about taking this blank page, not being intimidated by it. So you can start by maybe just filling out a half page, just sitting there and whatever is out there, just doing kind of like a memory dump, right? A mind dump. So allowing all those things to come out. And once you get into the habit of it, so it's really important that you flex that muscle just like you would lift weights, right? So you're kind of, now it gets easier. You will notice that you now start to squeeze out those creative juices. So once you get past those, that mind dump phase of like, maybe you're writing more about like the lower brain stuff. So you're talking, writing about things that you're worried about, etc. You now tap into the higher brain where you're, you're now writing things about desires and creativity and, um, 
from a more higher perspective place and that's beautiful for me um the more you flex it, you don't actually, you eventually are doing this more times in the day, almost subconsciously. And it's as if you don't eat this kind of sit down and do it, but it's always nice to sit down and organize it that way because organization is also key for mental health. So I hope this uh, episode gave you a better perspective of how your nervous system and your brain is wired and how you can tap in and out and maybe even help you with your kids and give you a little bit more patience uh, and empathy. So empathy is derived by your higher brain. They are still developing it. And this still applies to those who are in, you know, teenagers and those who are in, in their early 20s as well. So this is where we can sometimes feel that it's a little bit hard to deal with them. But even reminding yourself, if you've never learned how to tap out, and this is rarely taught to anyone, you're always going to be operating in that what if mode. And this is where a lot of folks feel unfulfilled and will never make the next move in their life that's meant for them to be fulfilling or for them to take action. And so just explaining this basic kind of, you know, biology of the nervous system is so important. So I hope you can take this forward. Um, Stay tuned for more. We'll meet in the next episode.